0: Welcome everybody to the Amazing Humans Being Show. My name is Nar Martinez, and I'm happy today to have as a guest my friend Ben Grace. At the center of Australian singer-songwriter Ben Grace's impeccably crafted songs is a story of undoing. Drawn by the roots-driven tradition of Americana to sing the stories that need to be told, Ben's music hovers in the space between lightness and the depths wrestling its way through humor and melody to peel back the layers to reveal the naked truth of us through the specificity of his own deconstruction ben writes into our universal search for belonging spiritual homecoming and a desire to live seen and unashamed born and raised in an inner city suburb of sydney Ben's exodus from the beliefs and structures of his working-class Christian childhood weaves poignantly through his lyrics, revealing itself in his deep commitment to justice and willingness to call forward the darker themes in American politics. With the lens of an outsider and the bold voice of a witness, Ben writes to challenge and disrupt our comfort with the status quo. Songs like Mama and An Eye for an Eye take on the realities of systemic racism while holding space for collective mourning. And his 2019 single Preacher's Daughter confronts the silencing of patriarchal religious culture through the artfully captured memory of one woman's intercepted words. His solo work is a culmination of a 25-year trajectory through the industry that includes the release of over 50 songs and collaborations, each a twist in the gradual unraveling that would lead him to produce under his own name. In the past two years, Ben has joined fellow artists to tour across 20 states and throughout Europe. Playing everything from house shows to historic venues, singing into the truth of our stories and holding them up to the light. Ben Grace's debut full-length record, As If Words Could Heal the Wounds, is set to release tomorrow, September 5th, 2020. Welcome to the show, Ben.
1: Thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. It's good to see your face again.
0: Yeah, it's been... uh... Well, I see your face every Thursday night, or pretty much every Thursday <laughs> night. We haven't seen each other for a little bit over a year.
1: Yeah, that's right. I see your your face just alongside the comments, you know, pop up, but <laughs> it's not, it, it's <laughs> static, it's not dynamic.
0: <laughs> Speaking about almost every Thursday, that's the
1: heathen happy hour. That's right. Correct? Yep. Tell us a
0: little bit about
1: that. My partner Karen and I moved into this house uh, about a month before quarantine, uh, with our good friend Matthew Lovegood and his husband Chris. Then the quarantine hit, and I can't remember how the conversation happened, but I think we just were like, "Well, we're at home, you know, three people, you know, three people in the house, musicians." Chris was initially going to work for a few weeks before his work got shut down and he's, he's back there now. We just decided to go online and to kind of just play a show. I mean, I've done a lot of online shows, so it didn't seem that unusual. And so we just kind of went online and the first two weeks were pretty experimental. Uh, we went back and actually had a look at the first one the other day. and It was pretty, it's funny to see how far we've come. You know, we had no, we had no lighting. We had no, at that point, I don't think we were even doing microphones. I think we were just doing it in the room. And then by week three, we hit on this this thing where we actually themed them with three words that all had alliteration. So I think the first one was Disney Dixie Chicks and Drag, I think was the first one. And then we have basically done it every single Thursday night with this kind of format. Originally, the format was was every night was these three, these three words. And then people would request songs for the week after. Um, and we would learn somewhere between 16 and 20 covers and do that. And then I think a few months ago, realizing, I think at that point we thought, well, we might be reopening. So maybe people might not need this as much. And also it was, you know, it was a fair bit of work. So we decided to go to every other week with the covers show and then in between doing original music shows or something different. And then Matthew and I once did Natalie Merchant's Tiger Lily record from cover to cover. So we've just been mixing it up, but essentially it's just about creating community for people during this period where we're locked at home. And a lot of people in that community are kind of in spaces where they're immunocompromised and they can't really go anywhere. So it's just a way to, to, I think, uh, keep ourselves entertained. And, and we've got it just as much out of it as I think other people have. I, I think, you know, happy to say that. I think that we, we love this community of people. It's so much fun. The comments alone when they start flowing and the, and the, and the back and forth and the, just, just the laughter is really essential I think in this, in this, period of time to remind ourselves to be human because uh, it's it can be a real grind just going through this quarantine so yeah we've been doing that every thursday night and just loving it and we'll continue and i think that september 17 i think it might be the date i remember that's our, our six month anniversary which is wild to think that we've been doing this for that long wow
0: i received a facebook notification or an invite or something to the heathen happy hour podcast <laughs>
1: i'm
0: like why? <laughs> yeah, what is this what, what is this, yeah. what is this? Yeah. yes i'm i'm pretty much a christian neo-pagan <laughs> and, and i'm like I, I didn't even pay attention and then uh then i noticed i received an invite from you for it mm. a while back and hopped on and i was blown away <laughs> i loved it
1: yeah, I'm so glad. I'm I'm glad you're there every single every single week. It just is. It's amazing. I think to connect with people all over the place that you know we've collected in this kind of journey. And the reason why it's called Heathen is because Heathen podcast is the podcast that Matthew and Karen uh, started. Well, Matthew started by himself, and then about after the first season, he interviewed Karen for the podcast, and he loved the interview so much that he invited her to come on and be co-host. And then we'll we'll still be expanding and finding other co-hosts as well. I think the fact that you know, we just used Hidden Podcast because it was the only brand that we had that had all three of us involved with that in some way, shape, or form. But I think it's also just part of the fun of just being irreverent and and laughing and and I think that the the um, the primary community really embraces that. Like some of the requests we get are so ridiculous and so so funny. You know, songs that I would never think of to cover, but but just really kind of bring joy. And I think that's part of this is just kind of embracing. Uh, especially, I think in this time and this political climate, just just kind of saying, hey, we're, we're people who fall through the cracks a little bit. You know, these heathens and people who don't fit this mold of evangelical Christianity that's that's you know kind of pummeling us into the ground politically. But just to have that joyful revolution and and to connect.
0: Thursday nights are the only set things that I do now. Mm-hmm. 10 p.m. till midnight on my time.
1: <laughs> that's awesome. The
0: Eastern time zone. So I'm like, okay, let me get a drink ready. I'm going to sit down. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yep.
0: And of course, I had to have drinks for Drunkard's Prayer last week.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: I thoroughly love Over the Rhine.
1: Yep. They're natives of Ohio, aren't they?
0: Yes, they're out uh, in Cincinnati.
1: Have you seen them live?
0: Yeah. I was going to say I have mutual friends, but I think I have mutual friends with everybody.
1: <laughs> nice.
0: Yeah, they're great people. I love their work. I'm hoping that they will get their little festival back on next year.
1: Yes. Have you been to every single one of those, or
0: I have not. Okay. Whichever one I get to will be my first one.
1: Right. Yeah, a really close friend Nikki Lerner, who's an amazing African American singer. She's based out of Columbia, Maryland, which is outside of Baltimore, played there a few years back. She was doing the, the gospel brunch on a Sunday morning. And they had this horror show where they basically in their travel plans, I can't remember what was happening, but obviously there was some weather and disruption and they couldn't get the flight out there. So they actually had to take another flight, just a little hop, skip and jump flight, and then grab a car and drive. And the drive was insane. I think it was, you know, like a, you know, eight hour drive or something crazy. And, and they, I think they kind of rang ahead and Other the was so gracious to just push it back a little bit, but they basically kind of got off the road and jumped straight on stage and of course killed it. Cause she's amazing. But I just, I so want to go. And then Matthew, uh, our housemate, I wanted to go last year. I think he was booked to go, but it was also his wedding year. And in the end, I think, you know, he could make it work budget wise, but I really can't wait. I wasn't that familiar with their work. Honestly, I knew a few of their songs, but I wasn't super familiar. And last week diving into it, I was like, wow, like this, so many of the lyrics really like, I think they really suited us and they suited Heathen happy hour and they suited kind of our similar journeys of deconstruction. And they're just beautiful poets. I mean, just amazing lyrics. So I was excited to find, you know, those kindred spirits and cannot wait to to see them live.
0: You brought up the word deconstruction. Mm -hmm. Tell us a bit about your story coming up. You're from Australia, correct? Yep. And you were in a, like a suburb of Sydney? Yeah,
1: I was in. In the inner western suburbs of Sydney, you know, on suburban lot, but kind of about half an hour from the city itself. So sort of gritty enough to, to feel sort of city, but also suburban enough to kind of to feel that sort of the suburban dream. I was raised by a very devout household. We're at this denomination called Christadelphians, which is not super common. They're very proudly. Oh, you're shaking. You're nodding your head like you've you've heard of
0: them. Yeah, I've I've known of them for a good forty years.
1: Wow, there you go. I mean, there's there's less than ten thousand of them in the state, so it is rare for you know for them to to be well known. But uh, yeah, that was that was kind of where I was raised, and they're very proudly uh, non-mainstream Christian. They're very like anti-other Christians. They they believe they've got the capital T truth, and it's super fundamentalists. Uh, super oppressive of women and uh, highly patriarchal. Um, and so sort of interestingly, I think one of the defining points is uh, it's all laid ministry. Like no one gets paid. And and some part of this idea that everyone can have a go and everyone can participate with, you know, it, if you have a penis, that is you know, like, <laughs> it, all, 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 <laughs> all the men are allowed to speak and do the things and the women play the support roles. Some part of that idea that somehow we're all of this, you know, we're all kind of the body of Christ still resonates with me today, but I think the way it worked in practice wasn't actually, you know, wasn't, wasn't that great. So that was, that was kind of where I was raised. And I think from the age of 11 or 12, I remember sitting in a, a, a particularly boring sermon and was thumbing through the pages of Isaiah, the prophet, and just was so, just really convicted that the God that was here in the old Testament, in the prophet Isaiah was really about, the disenfranchised, and the poor, and the marginalised, and the oppressed, and the widows, and the fatherless, and the stranger in the land, the exile, and, and it was th- that really sort of caught my imagination. Um, and I spent, you know, my teenage years, and then on to my twenties, sort of fighting back against that system, trying to reform the Christadelphians, you know, somewhat, and uh, and trying to kind of to move the needle on kind of where they were at, because I didn't believe that they had the capital T truth. But yeah, so I've, I've had a very, very long journey of winding through, through faith and through denominations and through my own reading and searching. And, and I, I don't really feel like I've arrived. Uh, and, and I also don't know if I ever will arrive. And I'm also happy with that.
0: When did the desire to create music and to write music and lyrics begin? How did
1: that start? Well, my, my parents, even though they're, they're not super happy about me being a musician, the, the story they tell anyone who'll, who can hear is basically apparently in the womb, they would turn on the radio and I would start moving. and They would turn off the radio and I would stop moving. So clearly it's, <laughs> it's in my bones somewhere that music, I just couldn't get away from it. Um, it just was there. And we were pretty poor growing up. And so it wasn't until the age of 10 that my parents uh, offered to get me piano lessons Uh, which is honestly pretty late for kind of musical tuition. But uh, I just, I said yes, and absolutely embraced it. And just, I I did 10 years of classical music. And somewhere in the middle of that, I was in band in high school and did all that kind of stuff. And so in the middle of that, one of my friends, Mike Bailey, who's in band, I think he used to play bass, if I remember correctly. He showed me a, a Beatles song, you know, kind of with the with the, the classical staff you know, staff, and all that the notes and the dots, not kind of stuff, but across the top, there was these, you know, G, D, on F sharp, E, E, M. And he was like, those things represent chords. And, and I was never super interested in music theory, you know, classical music theory, the way they teach it is awful. And it's very, it's almost, almost devoid from the, the practical itself. And whilst I love my teacher and adore her, I still didn't have much interest, but suddenly he gave me this language for, I could actually write down some of the things I was improvising on the piano and then I could convey it to somebody else. You know, suddenly I could say to Mike, here's a song I wrote and hand him over a chord chart with, with the notes. And that was, that was an instant moment for me when he told me that, that you could kind of write down chords that way. Within two weeks, I had written a song and I'd assembled a band and we played that song at the, the talent show that came up and we won. I was just addicted from that moment. I was just like, not not so much the winning, which, you know, sure, I'm an Enneagram 3, so so there's, there is a, an element of that, of being impressive. But it was this feeling of being able to convey something, some message that came out of me, this feeling of being able to be a part of the creative process was the addiction for me and still is. I, I love to be close to the making of something because that moment when, you know, to be dramatic, the, the fire descends from heaven and hits the altar and, and the thing goes up. You know, That's how it feels sometimes, that that kind of creative moment is this breakthrough of, of our humanity touching something we can't quite understand. I have a tattoo on my, my right wrist that has the symbols for alpha and omega. And the reason why that's there is because I traveled the world for the first time in 2006 with my ex, we did four weeks. We went to LA, New York, Helsinki, London, Paris, Tokyo, And home, and and I, I was the last sort of person in my friendship group to travel, and I was absolutely blown away by kind of how big the world was, and how diverse the world was, and how incredible the world was. And uh, I got back home, and I hadn't really thought about music much at all because it was sort of whirlwind four weeks. And the Tuesday after I got back home, I sat down at my piano, and my ex had gone off to work, and I was just alone in the apartment. And I put my hands on the piano, trying to figure out how to come up how to sum up this experience I just had and the song called Alfred Omega just fell out of the skies like four and a half minutes it was just written and that that song you know won me a songwriting competition that got me my first publisher it it really opened up some doors and I'm like that that moment when the inspiration hits is just something I'm still chasing it just as a it's it's a it's kind of my lifeblood I
0: get it I have so many friends that are musicians and have most of my life in my background it was largely the early christian rock and then that became metal and punk and everything else and now it's very popish. <laughs> i always loved being around them as they created and then uh, enjoying them as they would perform what they created yep i really do happy to be a witness to that process yeah how long have you been in the states now?
1: It's coming up to 9 years that I've been here in the states. 9 years. Yep.
0: So, you still carry or you still can carry the perspective of an outsider? Yes. You haven't been the frog in the slow boiling pot of water
1: <laughs> that is the United States. That's right. <laughs>
0: I like that. <laughs> I, I I just saw a frog as I was speaking. And I'm like, okay, uh, yes. What are some of the perspectives you have about us here in our social climate, our political climate, our religious structures? What do you see that we perhaps have been dulled
1: to see? I mean, where do you start? It's it It really is the most amazing thing I think I I want to say firstly that I don't see myself you know I I think I do have this perspective an outsider I understand that culturally I was was raised somewhere else and that gives me some perspective at the same time I don't see this the American problem as the you problem I I see it as the we problem I'm definitely invested in the American project and the American experiment I, I think I mean right now we're just it's just absolutely fascinating we have the RNC going on and I tuned in for a little bit of that last night and and it's just flabbergasting to me how people can believe what's being said. <laughs> uh, and I think one of the things that is really intriguing to me very early on when I got across here, Rob Bell was kind of one of the guys who I really followed at that time when I first moved here and was listening to his podcast every single week. And he really helped shape me. And when I landed in the end of 2011, he just put out Love Wins. And I read it with with full joy I think at just this beautiful I mean he he led me into like I was one of those people that not only read the book but then we'd read the bibliography and then read some of the authors he was reading so you know I got into all of the Jesuits and all of the 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 heretic Catholics (laughs) that led me you know into places like Richard Rohr and to Brennan Manning and blanking right now on the name of the the uh the priest from Long Island who passed away recently in the last few years who uh who is a huge, huge influence on that book. It'll come to me. All of that to say is when I, I went to, the, I, I still, so I was really into Rob Bell, but I also really loved David Crowderband because I thought he was his writing was really incredible and really unique and a very unique voice. And and because I was sort of come out of this very isolationist Christophian bubble, I just had no idea that there were politics involved with Christianity. And so I got over here and very quickly found myself in this church, was asked to, to plant a church in Brooklyn, And admitted to my boss on a fundraising trip to Kentucky that I was like, I, I'm not a mainstream Christian. Like, I don't know what I think about a lot of things. Like, I just, I wasn't raised with Trinity. I wasn't raised with evangelism. I just have no idea on some of these things. But because I was so hungry, because I read a lot, and and I kind of really searched, searched hard. It wasn't. My My sort of stay inside this evangelical thing was not very long <laughs> I, I saw I saw all the hallmarks of cult like behavior of of brainwashing of disinformation like I just saw it all there. I saw the gaslighting of doctrine when we talk about Jesus on the cross and the way you know people see that not that I was raised altogether that different, but atonement was one of those things that the christelphians hotly debated. But when you get to to America, that's kind of dialed up to eleven. Like it really is a very different thing. And for me, it was very quick that I discovered that church and consumerism were just in bed together. Like they were just one and the same thing. You know that the doctrine of America wasn't the faith of Jesus. <laughs> the doctrine of America was was faith in money, faith in the in the the greenback, setting God we trust on on our money. And that's, that's just what I think we're sitting on today. I mean, we're looking at places where the NRA just completely controls Congress and certain members of the party because they have the money to do so, you know, and that money wins over people in the lack of healthcare in this country. That money wins over people when we just plow through indigenous lands and carve them up and put pipelines through. Like, it's just everywhere you look, the dollar wins and it's always... dollar with the the victorious ascendant christ on top justifying our bad behavior so it's it that's that's the the main thing i think that we're looking at obviously right now that's also with trump i mean the the news that basically the republican party is not going to put for any any platform of their own this year but only embrace the trump platform just tells us exactly where they are like that's not the party anymore that republicans once were you know they've sold out all of their values and it's and and there's so much of this I see echoed from scripture, like the people who should be reading the Bible at <laughs> the most don't know these basic stories. I mean, to me the idea of sending our kids back to school in a current climate with coronavirus is, is the new offering up our children to Baal, is the new, putting you know children yeah. first through child sacrifice. And so I think that that's the most amazing thing to me is watching the faith of my childhood, and and the faith of my my ancestors just be so grossly misinterpreted and to justify bad behavior is is, is really horrifying and and dismaying and, and quite frankly at times really amusing because you're like wow have you not read the text <laughs> like <laughs> the bible that 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 Trump you know used gas on people to kind of stand there in front of the church and hold up i'm like you haven't read that text you don't know what it says because what you just Currently what you just did to get to this place to take that photo condemns the very behavior. So you have no right to hold that thing.
0: Even if you're holding it upside down.
1: (laughs) Even if you're holding it upside down. That's absolutely right. You gotta know. I mean, this this is this is the thing, you've got to know what the rules are to break them, right? You know, like if you're gonna do deconstruction right, then then do it right. You know, learn the thing and then learn what the Learn the ways in which to read it upside down and back to front, inside out, and then be able to 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 really dive in and and use that use the text the way it's supposed to be. But um, we're in this situation where Rome is basically using their sacred text. You know, we're, we're we're Constantine basically taking on Christianity and 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 putting it into the state. You know, so this idea that that America has a ch- separation of church and state is such bullshit.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So do you use your words and your music to try to to expose this, to bring light to what you've been seeing, to bring change, to bring options? How does that work with you?
1: Yeah, I, I do. Absolutely. I will say yes to that question. There's a story in the biblical text about the attack on Jericho, where the children of Israel have been in Egypt for many, many years, and then they come out they wander in the wilderness between egypt down down through the um the red sea and they come up finally to the promised land after 40 years of wandering and the attack on jericho takes place and there's there's a lot of curious things in there and obviously there's there's a lot of problematic things (laughs) you know i'm not a fan of violence i'm not a fan of colonization and i think that's part of that text that we always need to look at and deconstruct but the fascinating thing about that story is the battle was won and not a weapon was lifted, because it says they walked around the, the walls of Jericho once a day for about seven days. And the little note in the text says the musicians went ahead, and that's all it says. I don't know if they played any instruments. I mean, there's an inference that that must have at some point. Now I think that, that on the very last day, there's obviously the trumpet blast and the walls fall down. I don't know if it, all the other days they marched in silence, or whether it was a cacophony. Whether they whether they danced around the walls, the the text doesn't tell us that, but it does tell us the musicians went in front, and something about that to me has always been uh, important. That I think that I love words. I, I'm so reverently in love with them. I think they can change everything. I would obviously the album's called As If Words Could Heal the Wounds, but I think there's something about words paired with melody, or words paired with art. Or, or just the very notion of art itself, it's a dancer dancing or a, a, a painter painting. There's something about art that, that can get beyond all of our carefully constructed ideologies and arguments. And, and, there's, and there's, a, there's a way that a melody can just move you, can get through somehow the layers of flesh around our arteries and just pierce us in a way that can, that can change minds and change hearts and change directions of movements. I, I think for me, I grew up on, on the folk stylings of Peter, Paul and Mary and Cat Stevens and John Denver and, and kind of that folk sixties folk movement. And had no idea, you know, until adulthood really, that the that lot of that folk movement was anti-war was protest music, you know, where have all the flowers gone, you know, that Peter, Paul and Mary covered, and it sounds like this pretty folk tune is a blistering critique. Of the Vietnam War. And what it's doing is asking a question. And songs like that got banned. Like, I love that. I love that questions get banned. Like, that to me, that is what I live for. The fact that we can be so certain in our faith and so certain that we're right that we can ban a question tells us a little bit about kind of where we are. And I think we're sitting in America right now that's banning questions that we just have to follow the leader. We have to say, yes, sir, no, sir, two bags full, sir. And, and that's, that's a dangerous place to be. I think questions have always been at the heart of the divine all the way through the biblical text. You find when you start to look at when God speaks they put God in, 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 in kind of quotation marks there, when God speaks often, God asks questions, you know, even in the garden, when, when they that story we tell about Adam and Eve and we talk, we talk about the fall and we talk about depravity and we've built that whole, you know, theology around the, the first sin. When God encounters Adam and Eve in the garden hiding, the thing he, he says is, who told you you were naked? You know, like, it's just brilliant to me, just this, this the, the questioning heart of the divine, the, the curiosity. So for me, that curiosity has always been at the heart of a creative as well. One way to look at an artist and look at the people who, do, who have shaped culture and who have shaped the things is they ask questions. They, they, they point to us to say, is what we are, you know, is the thing we're currently doing, is that right? Or is there another way? You know, they, they are aligned with the Old Testament prophets in this way that they're trying to reshape and reimagine the world that could be constantly to me that's that's my lineage as well as the is the prophets who've gone ahead and i don't just mean the you know the biblical prophets i think like people like leonard cohen pete Seeger, um uh, you know all of the people who've so disrupted and who've who've asked questions and who've shaped culture and who've imagined a better world where everyone is welcome
0: how has everything you've experienced culminated in your upcoming release
1: mm. Well, the record's called "As If Words Could Heal the Wounds," and I think as I kind of went through the record, because uh, I've made it over two years and I released singles along the way, and I sort of basically it's sort of a compilation of of most of those singles plus a handful of new songs. And when I finally sat down and put all the songs in order and listened to it, what struck me—and I'd had the title for years—you know, I knew that was what the title of the record was going to be. But what struck me is that every single song has a wound. Every single song, I think, is is delving back into something that reflects from my own pain, that reflects from my own experience, something that I'm trying to solve for some way that I'm trying to solve myself first and foremost, that idea that, you know, if we want to heal the world, we got to start with the pain in our own heart, in our own mind first, that that's how we kind of heal the world is inside out. And I think that's very much what I'm doing here. The record starts off with a song called A Thousand Times, which, you know, starts off the line, this is my side of the story and I'm sticking to this tune. It may not seem to be you like fact, but for me, it is the truth. And I've wrestled long and hard with all the pieces and the parts and wound up with this bleeding broken heart. And I wish I had known this from the start. And that to me, there's my, is my battle cry. Cause that's, that saying like me first, I'm also wrestling with these things, but I have something to say. And I have something to say out of these wounds and they, these wounds that, you know, will have defeated me in that sense of, uh, you know, that, that quote, which I'm, can't remember exactly I think who the poet was who kind of said it, but the, the purpose of life is to be defeated by greater and greater things. That somehow these wounds break me down, but then they also build me up. That the that you can rise from the ass of these things. Once you've deconstructed them, once you get they no longer have power over you, once you've named them appropriately and put them where they are, that you can be a, a wounded healer, as Henry Nowen says. You can you can speak these things out loud and and your Pain can help other people to feel the pain of the world, that empathy that the Obama spoke about last week at the DNC, that that we can feel the oneness of humanity when we're sitting in a room and, and experiencing these songs together. That's where it's come from for me is, is a place of, of deep wounding, of honestly taking a long-ass time to find my voice as an artist. I turned 40 last year and, you know, this is my first full-length solo album that I've put out. I've worked for years and I've been in bands and all that kind of stuff. This is my very first long form statement about who I am in the world and who the world is to me. It's taken a while, but I'm, I'm super proud to be here. I'm excited to actually have this record out. It just is such a joy to be talking about it and promoting it.
0: One of the things that I've appreciated about you is your openness and your vulnerability in allowing yourself to be seen for where you are at that moment. Hmm. And I just want to say thank you for that because when we do that it's almost as if we give others permission to do the same
1: thank you i mean it's, it's taken a lot of work honestly for me to get there you know I, I identify as a enneagram three with a very strong four wing and and both the three and the four have the uh, ability to hide you know the enneagram four wants love but it wants to also play a game of hide and seek so you can come and find find me and the enneagram three projects a certain image to the world because they're also afraid or ashamed of who they are deeply they might not be loved and so it's, it's taken a lot of work for me to get to a place of uh you know sort of a, a no fucks left to give kind of place i guess it is where i'm just <laughs> like I've, I've got to be who i am you know at all costs and, and that came through you know a, a pretty traumatic last couple of years where i where i lost a lot of relationships and my marriage fell apart and the church I helped start kind of push me out in Brooklyn because of, of that. And I was having massive panic attacks and I lost really close collaborators. And so it's been a, a few years of, of just a real shit show in all of that. I've been trying to fight through to, to really kind of say, no, here's the real Ben, you know, and maybe I've been hiding all these years and maybe I've been kind of lying or deceiving because it's kind of the, the virtue of the Enneagram three, but I just don't have time for that anymore you know I, I want to be authentic at all costs totally get it
0: hmm. i'm a uh enneagram two with a three wing <laughs> and uh we're both in the heart center yep and yeah i i, I totally get it totally get it for uh, so much of my life i was always the good little christian boy yep uh ra- raised in fundamentalism i had my doctrine down pat I could pass I could pass for any ministerial examine through Southern Baptist, fundamental Baptist, <laughs> you know I could do it <laughs> yep. uh, and then I met a girl and I went to a Pentecostal church, and then that blew all that out of the water., but, um, <laughs> yeah. but I've always been that uh, as a two, you know, our. Our original wound, if you want to use that type of
1: mm.
0: analogy, is not being loved, not being worthy. Yeah, you know, and that that fear and, and everything we try to do to make sure we're, if you if you follow an health an unhealthy path, it can become a very manipulative type of service. Yes, you know because no matter what you do for other people, it's centrally about you. Yep. But I love when we come to a place of healing and growth and maturity, and that can only happen over time and through experience, that we can start to realize, well, honestly, I guess to to put it simply, we give our own selves the love that we need it. Yes. And when we can walk in that light then everything we give can be freely yes you know and that's when real transformation happens yep what is the the old scripture if we walk in the light as he is in the light Mm. then we do have that koinonia fellowship with one another yep and through that interaction and this the text says that i have to go back to the beginning of it. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, then we have fellowship with one another and something about cleansing or forgiveness or whatever of sin.
1: There's, or there's that light cannot fellowship with darkness. You know, it's using this binary, but, but, I, but I like that idea of once you've seen and once you've woken up, once you've seen those things, you, you can't go back to some of those those old ways. You know, The idea of the repentance, the fully turning around you know, when you realize the way you've been trying to get love is through this woundedness, you know, it doesn't mean you, you, you still don't try and do that, but you do it with more awareness, you know, yeah. and, and are able to own some of that. And uh, yeah, I, I'm still, I feel like I'm still a total novice at this thing. When you kind of talk about the self-love I'm able to give, like, I, I still feel like I've got a lot of work to do and, I, but it's a work I'm committed to do. And I've been in therapy for two years straight and it's just been, absolute lifesaver. Um, one of the things, actually, you, you'll you'll like this. The reason why I'm so passionate about Enneagram is when I first discovered Enneagram, I tested as a two for about two years. But every time I would w- would listen to the literature, you know, listen to a podcast, whatever, I would just be weeping. And I, I knew straight away, and I said to people, I'm a two, but I'm an un- unhealthy two. And of course, that's a sign, you know, like that four goes to two in unhealth. And so it was, it was that sign that this really strong leaning wing of mine was trying to compensate, you know, like that. I, I couldn't, I was afraid to be truly original, which makes sense. Cause when you're brought up in a very cult-like environment and controlled environment, you know, and, and you're, you're encouraged to group think and stay inside the box and stay inside the thing and get all your belonging from this tight knit community. It's impossible to be a four. <laughs> it's just, it's, it's, you're not set up to, to win. And so I, I chose the path of. A, a two but i also realized as i deconstructed that idea and, and found some health that that the two doctrine is well is alive and and well in in christianity because we have a savior who's self-sacrificed so we we walk in the feet of jesus right or told it was jesus followed so the greater love hath no man list he should lay down his life for his friends and I, I just bought that theology and, and it was just like, I'm supposed to be self-effacing. I'm supposed to like empty myself completely unto death. And it was this martyrdom that like the scripture also says in Hebrews once and for all Jesus went in and sacrificed and we do not have to do that no more. You know, like, we don't actually have to keep doing that. <laughs> yeah. We have continued to do it. And I think for twos, so much of the work is just no more martyrdom. Like you, I know you want to help people. I know you want to help out that love, but, but But do it out of a sense of overflow, not out of a sense of I need to 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 do this, you know, against myself. So yeah, that's that's something that that's the reason why I'm so passionate about eGram is because I discovered it through the back door, I discovered it through the brokenness of it. And that that part of it really kind of was like, ooh, ouch, you know, the day that I think it was Heather Lynn actually, he was just like, Bullshit Euro two. Bullshit. (laughs) <laughs> uh, so um yeah it's why i really passionate i think it's just <laughs> how, how do we you know i talk about it in terms of it, art as well like you can record a song and then you can kind of not listen to it for a week and come back and listen to it and get some you know kind of distance from it or as a painter you can step back from the canvas and get to it as humans how do we step back from our bullshit? like how do we step back from ourselves and get perspective and the enneagram is such an amazing tool I think, for us being able to see ourselves as we are.
0: We can see ourselves naked and unashamed.
1: Yep, there it is.
0: And isn't that the, the I don't want to say goal, um, isn't that the desire of every spiritual practice, all of our efforts in life to be to be truly seen with our imperfections and all and still be embraced.
1: Yep. Absolutely. I mean, that's, that is a line directly out of that first song a thousand times. I'm learning to be naked and unafraid. Like it's, it's right there in that song. That's, that is part of this record for me is, is that process of of just showing up and being myself. So yeah, absolutely. Amen. (laughs) 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 I have a,
0: a lot of friends that have deconstructed or in the process of deconstructing, not knowing where they're at with half their life um, previously, and sometimes a word like amen will come up and then it, they're just like, oh. I'm "Like we can still use That's the old right. words. That's right. We, we can use them. We can reinterpret them. We can redeem them.
1: Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. So much beauty in all of those things. I mean, Amen just says, so be it. You know, it's an agreement, you know, from one person to another, an agreement with a community that, that will do this thing and it will stand by it. It's it's beautiful.
0: I like how uh, one certain community that um, I, I wasn't involved with, but I was very close with uh, people that were, instead of Amen, they would uh, take the uh, Battlestar Galactica,
1: so say we all. So say we all, Yeah. So say we all. <laughs> Absolutely. I love that. I, I didn't watch the original show. I watched the remake, but it was just love that show.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've seen the entire series maybe three times mm. and, you know, of course it's like reading the Bible over again. You yeah. pick out little things that you didn't, didn't see or comprehend because words are alive.
1: Yes, that's right. And words are reading us the text reads us just as much as we read the text that 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 practice that i was introduced to a few years ago of the lectio divina of the spiritual reading of the text where you read it over and over and over again and there's and then there's other ways to read the text that i was never taught you know like this idea of the jesuit prayers of imagination to, to read the text and then to put yourself into that character and to kind of to try and feel what's being felt there those practices are so important you know and I know that one of the questions I was asked the other day on a different podcast was, you know, what do you want people to kind of to understand from this record? I'm like, understand what you want to understand, you know, the way you see the lyric, it can be entirely differently to the way I see the lyric. But I think that's, that's the beauty. I mean, I've, I've been touring around the South and the Midwest with these songs and I had people come up, you know, after I played an eye for an eye, which is a song that basically is a gun, about gun control. And they've kind of said, Oh, I really like that song. Cause of blah, blah, blah. And, and, halfway through the, the conversation i'm realizing these people are like second amendment gun-toting republicans and somehow they saw something in the song and i'm just like okay <laughs> fair enough but but uh, i think that's the beauty of it that we you know i'm sure you've had this experience too where you, you preach a message and someone comes up it's like oh i really love that point you made i'm like i didn't say that at all you know but the, <laughs> yeah but but uh you know, what was heard and how it resonated inside the body of someone else, you know, is uh, there's some truth there. And I think that's, that's beautiful. Like no one has, no one has kind of a grasp on the capital T truth. You know, truth is sneaky yeah. and cheeky and finds its way around everything and, and kind of speaks through donkeys and speaks in wonderful ways. And our job is just to try and channel and get out of the way.
0: It's like uh, what Jesus said of the spirit. No one knows where it came from, yep. where it's going. In my younger years, having the capital T Truth was very important to mm. me. Because uh, whether I thought through the process or not, having the capital T Truth and being right was somehow a guarantee that I was going to be okay. Yes. Whether that was after death, through life, but as we walk with spirit, we, we start to discover that we just don't know, but we're being taught to trust. Yep. And yeah, she's, what'd you say? She's sneaky and cheeky. (laughs) And I, I, if, if I'm thinking in a Trinitarian mindset, Mm. Which I embrace that, but I also, but that's not the limitation. Yep. To my thoughts on God, I always refer to the quote Holy Spirit as a she. Yes. And I think we have we have a lot of uh, ancient tradition, which kind of alludes to that. Yep. But these are you know whenever we talk about God or the universe or Creator who was it that said that we always have to speak in metaphor? Yes. Because...
1: Yes. And even hold those metaphors lightly, you know? I mean, I I think, you know, every single day I log on to the internet and, you know, unfortunately these days, it doesn't take more than 10 minutes to come across some incredibly bad theology. And the other day I I logged on and it was like, I saw the our God is a consuming fire being thrown around and being thrown around as a justification for violence and justification for like warring you know and i was just like (laughs) oh oh dear this this is a metaphor that's being used here please please don't don't build a temple around this metaphor you know and i think this kind of this the message of the of the 10 commandments you know don't make any idols don't make any graven images is simply that like don't build as as i think karen and matthew on, on heathen podcast are fond of saying you know a mountain of bullshit around around this tiny like the seed of an idea you know something that might be really beautiful and then you go and build this absolute mountain of bullshit over it and often I think theology can be that where we can take an idea I mean for me one of the things that was fascinating was discovering Calvinism you know in my mid-30s because I'd never come across that before and I was like a lot of the Calvinistic doctrine had made its way into Christadelphians this idea that you you know, the total depravity that you are basically that the heart is deceitfully sick and wicked, like who can know it? You know, it was very much a central text of the Christadelphians that, that basically they believed that humans were inherently evil and that God was the only one that was holy, which also included Jesus, by the way, like they weren't Trinitarian. So, so Jesus was was human and like, they couldn't couldn't quite figure out how to do this whole like he never really sinned that had to be some special relationship with the father it was it was it was complicated i mean either way it's complicated because i've done digging into the trinity i think that's complicated too but it was this fascination with people being sick and people being disturbing and i'm just kind of like oh i can see how there's points of the text that would say that and i can also see that argues on the other side and so we actually have to hold all of those things pretty loosely you know and maybe it's like a Maybe some of those things are true. I mean, it's, it's Tuesday and we're talking, and and I love you, and this is a great conversation, and I feel lots of spiritual thoughts. And then, by lunchtime, you know, I'll cut some cut in line with someone in the drive-through and and yell at them and and and, and have that moment. So we go backwards, and we, <laughs> we we flux. You know, it's we're, we're somewhere yes. on you know we're somewhere on the uh, on the spectrum between between good and evil at any any particular moment. Uh, but to say that we're all entirely one or the other, you know, is kind of either, you know, it's, it's an old Rob Bell thing that we're not supposed to be animals, like just given over to our animalistic instinctual nature only, but we're also not supposed to be angels. We're, we're, we're we're a mixture of both of these things, you know, we hold them in tension. So yeah, I, I I love metaphor. I love, obviously I love words. I love, you know, like metaphor is my playground, but, uh, but you you have to, to uh, be gentle, gentle with metaphor.
0: Thinking about what you just said there and the power of music, both the lyrics and the actual music is that at least I think it can, it can seep into cracks that argumentation can never get through. Yep. Argumentation. We build a wall apologetics we build a wall yep music is water it can just seep right through and I've been able to look back I'm what 58 now I've been able to look back through my life and see how music itself or a song has helped develop my current perspectives there's a time to confront as in systemic racism yes but there are ways we can confront and whether it's protest I'll go out on a limb and say whether it's riots yep or whether it's a catchy tune that sneaks its way in mm-hmm. and starts to to change
1: yep yeah I love that I mean that's that's definitely one of my beliefs I didn't thought when you said music is water. I'd never thought about that before about, cause you know, when we see flooding happening, water is this force that just very slowly and very effortlessly washes away structures. Like it, it's, it's always mesmerizing to me and, and obviously horrifying when you see the floods and you kind of see it just, it just take a town with it, you know, and, and it doesn't seem like it's moving any particular pace. It's not a rush. And it's, I think, because underneath there's as heavy currents, there's the things we don't see um, that's so powerful. And, and I love that music is water, you know, metaphor. It definitely kind of, it plays with my Jericho story, but you know, the, the fact that you know, musicians going to go and they take down this wall, you know, it, it just kind of, it just, it takes away, it takes out the legs from the argument. You know, I, I used music differently earlier in my life, you know, when I was that young man like you, that was certain of certain things and, and, and kind of, I used it much more like a weapon than I do now that the way I use it now, I feel kinder and gentler because kind of a lot of, I think that difference coming out of my wounds as opposed to my sword, which I'm trying to wound with, you know, coming from a place mm-hmm. that's already been wounded is a different stance. But at the same time, I did love the opportunity. I think to work with preachers and to work with message, and to so that the whole thing sang together. And I think my favourite moments in in church experiences or experiences where we're trying to kind of like, you know, convince and argue and all those things is when the whole thing works together and, and you don't even know it. Like you've, you've you've maybe read the sermon and you've picked the song, but but something happens in that moment and everyone just drops in. You know. That, that agreement, the so say we all, the amen, the way we breathe together and sing something together, you know, and when emotions kind of, you know, kind of rise up, that, that is my favorite thing because, you know, you've done your work then, you know, you, you know that, that, that it's not just you arriving and you being in control of that moment, it never feels that way to me, even when everything kind of seems to fall into place. I've never felt like, oh, I was the architect of that perfect thing. I always felt like I participated in something <laughs> greater than myself. Like We, we, we say yes. that all the time, right? The, the spirit fell. Like We use this language to try and describe this experience that we had that felt uniting, that felt like emotions were engaged, that felt like the room moved. We use those, those words, that, that metaphor, to try and talk about what happened in that space. And it's, it's a privilege, I think, to get to be involved with moments like that. Absolutely. When it
0: happens, you're like just like it's awe.
1: Yeah. It's wonder. yep
0: Now your album is coming out in rather quickly, just a <laughs> week or two.
1: Friday, September fourth.
0: September four. Yep. Now how can how can we get our hands on that?
1: On Friday, September 4 it'll be everywhere. Uh, it'll be on Spotify, iTunes, Bandcamp, SoundCloud. Uh, it'll be absolutely everywhere. If people want to get, if they're, I don't know when you're releasing this, but uh, if it's before that, um, my, my Patreon, uh, so patreon.com slash Ben Music, all my patrons already have access to it. Um, so that's kind of how I've been building this record is through the support and the love and the uh, of these incredible humans who've come with me on this journey um and this is not the end of the journey by any means you know it's not like we haven't been just doing this just for the album i have plenty more music left to to release and um every single month my patrons get you know some form of demo something that i'm kind of working on plenty more music to come but that has been the the humans have blown me away with their love and their support as i've kind of been able to put this this record together um so yeah, it's going to be out everywhere and I can't wait. I'm, I'm really excited. All of my socials, Ben Grace Music Everywhere. Hopefully over the period of about a month, I'll be sharing lyric videos and behind the scenes, you know, videos and kind of telling more of the stories in depth about it, each of the songs. Beautiful. Now that is Ben Grace Music
0: Everywhere. That's right. I only have a few people that I support on Patreon. You're one of them. Thank you. We have a mutual friend as well, Heather Mm -hmm. Lynn. So I encourage whoever's listening, you know, hop on the Patreon, you know, whatever, whatever you can give. I know in talking with Heather Lynn, I know how much that has really helped, especially during the uh, this period of time. And, but beyond that, you know, you can't get out and do tours like you used to. So we're, we're in a new phase here. So we need to, uh, or we're not need, I don't like words like need or should. Yeah. We're invited to create other ways to make this happen.
1: I like that. I like that stance of this is an opportunity for us to reimagine systems that have been one way for so long, you know? Um, and, And artists have been doing this for a while with, you know, I mean, I think that the dream back in the day was to find a record label and to put out a record and all kind of stuff. And a lot of those systems were pretty unjust and were difficult for artists. Uh, as so I think, uh, places like Patreon that come along, it was, it's created by musicians for musicians that disrupt the systems. And that say there's gotta be a fairer, just a way for to artists to have a life. And I'm, I'm similar to Heather Lynn. I mean, Heather Lynn got me onto Patreon you know, years, a few years ago. And if I had not had the support of that community, uh over the last two years as i transitioned out of new york and and didn't have a job and wandered around uh for a while taking uh, odd jobs here and there i just wouldn't have been able to create this music you know i wouldn't have been able to probably like, like put bread on the table but um so to me that's that is my record label patreon yeah the, those patrons you guys are my record label you enable me to keep putting music out to the world and, and more than enable you encourage and you believe and it's just it is the, the honor and privilege of my life to have people's hard-earned dollars and to, th- to have them entrusted to me and to feel like I'm not going to bury those in the ground. I'm I'm going to, I'm going to do the best I can uh, with that, to, to still that and kind of put out great music and to put out music. You guys are proud to say, wow, I, I heard that first. I heard, I heard that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yep. Now, before I ask this question, uh, is there anything that we have not discussed that you would like to share?
1: Um, nothing particularly, I don't think, I think we've, yeah, I love this, the wandering nature of this conversation has been my favorite. It's always my favorite. And I love how you've also shared your story back with me. That's, that's my favorite part. I think in, in all of this often on a Thursday night, whilst I love Heathen Happy Hour and just love that community that shows up, there's, there's a moment after it's all over where I'm a little sad because my favorite part of a show, my favorite part of playing a house show in the middle of the country somewhere and doing, you know, after driving a whole day is to get that moment when it's all over to breathe to pick up a drink and to and to sit somewhere and to find someone who comes and tells me their story they're like they, here's how i saw myself in this song that is my absolute favorite moment and and, and so the fact that you have today on this podcast shared your story back with me It's just as sacred that this is a two-way street this is not me coming along saying i have all the answers like this is just a human human thing that we get to do together to talk to share ideas to throw things backwards and forwards and to grow to learn something and what i'm taking away from our conversation today is that music is water like that that is something i've got to think a lot about i think it's just really gorgeous
0: well, I turn all rights over to you, so do with it as, you will. <laughs> as if
1: I had the rights to do that.
0: <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, so the, the question I ask all of my guests is, then what do you love about yourself?
1: Oh, that's really huge. I, um, I've been, like I said, I've been doing therapy for two years straight, solid, uh, mostly weekly. Sometimes there were periods where I was doing it multiple times a week and I'm sort of in a period where I'm about every two weeks at the moment uh, because my therapist is amazing. And she's like, hey, let me offer you a, a price you can afford <laughs> during this period of time. I'm like, thank you. But she's in, got me encouraged to do, to do affirmations. And I think that this is something I have really resisted my entire life, you know partly because I you know think that that kind of word was borrowed from some wooey traditions and you know you know my early more fundamentalist life wouldn't have allowed for that but also there's as an Australian where we don't speak well of ourselves and we don't speak well of others you know we' we're, we're encouraged we have tall poppy syndrome I don't know if you've heard of this phenomenon Mm-mm. It's this idea that basically, if anyone thinks they're too big for their boots, if they're too ambitious, if they if they think think too highly of themselves, we need to cut them down to size. So tall poppy means all the poppies are the same size. Anyone pokes their head up above, you've got to cut them off, so that we're so that mediocrity rules the day. America doesn't suffer from this, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> but Australians, we we do, and I think I've still even after you know nine years here in the States there's so much of that culture that's still in me and so the affirmations have been really healing me and I have an affirmation currently that that is um, the wallpaper to my phone so that whenever I pick up my phone it pops up and it's the background as well and it's right inside the, the door of my, my studio right here and it says I'm creative, I'm focused and I'm open and there's three truths that I, that I want to affirm to myself every single day my alarm goes off at 9.15am and try and speak those to myself. You know, I'm creative, I'm focused, I'm open. And I think that they are things I'm learning to love about myself and, and to, to really treasure. And I think for me, all of them were built off lies that I told myself, you know, I told myself as an artist that I was, yeah. you know, I believe the words of my parents, you know, because I'm, you know, I'm flighty and I'm imaginative and I'm emotional. And 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 my mother used to say to me, a lot, she's not very disciplined. You need to be more disciplined, you know, but that word focus, I'm, I'm very, I'm a very focused human being like, you know, for the last two years to, to go through a, a divorce, uh, to move out of a city, to, to move out of a church that I kind of helped start to, to kind of wander around in the middle of that absolute chaos to be, essentially be homeless for, for a period of, of nine months there. I mean, not not homeless in the sense of not having a place to stay, but not having a place to be really grounded and a community to be kind of there. In the middle of all of that chaos, I've made this record, <laughs> you know, and which <laughs> it, 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 something I'm really proud of. And so that, that focused, you know, is at odds to the other story that I'm not disciplined, which I think a lot of artists get told over and over again. But I think we are, I think we are disciplined in so many ways. And then creatives is an obvious one because I, I do take great delight in in the fact that I'm able to do something unique uh, with what I do. And here's, here's actually a funny story from Heathen Happy Hour. I've resisted my entire life being a covers musician. You know, I've had plenty of offers where people are like, you would be so fantastic. You'd make a lot of money. I'm like, no, I don't want to do it. don't want to do it. And yet here we are doing this covers show and it has been... Such an honor, I think, because every single week when we then announce the themes and people request songs, and some of the requests have just blown me away. Like Josh Scott, um, who is our, our mutual friend, mm-hmm. his some of his suggestions, like the Father John Misty, When the God of Love Returns, There'll be Hell to Pay. Like I'd never heard that song. And that song is just like, wow. Just wow. Like <laughs> just the minute it came on, I was like totally in love with this. And it was re- and it was so that uniquely it felt like my voice that felt like me. And so to have this, you know, this moment where people are requesting songs, but they're also finding things for us and finding these, these beautiful songs that we get to sing and delight in together. So, yeah, I think those three things are the things that I'm currently working on, on loving myself right now, to be creative, to be focused, to be open.
0: I love it. Thank you, Ben. This is, this has really been fun.
1: Thank this you. It's been fun. Thank you for having me on. This is such a pleasure. Like I said, it's an honor to, to talk and to connect